We are working our way through the book Knowing God by Jim Packer and uh, looking at the various attributes of God, as we should. And I skipped town last week because the wrath of God came up, and so Mike stood up and said, I can deal with that. And I listened to it this week, and I think he did an admirable job. He did a thorough job. It was really good. So I, I enjoyed listening to it. I don't listen to my own talks. I don't know if you do. I, I fall asleep. So, But I, I listened to his, and I thought it was very good. We're going today to press on, and we're going to meditate on a psalm. So I want to read the psalm to you, and just let it sink in. If you have a, a phone or a Bible along with you and you want to follow along, that's fine. Psalm 107. Um, otherwise, you may just want to listen. Here's what uh, Gene Peterson says in the, uh, the message. Oh, thank God. He's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God's tell the world. Then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from seven seas. Tell how we freed you from oppression. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumble on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road, then took you straight to a good place to live. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He poured great drafts of water down parched throats, the starved and hungry got plenty to eat. Some of you were locked in a dark cell, cruelly confined behind bars, punished for defying God's word, for turning your back on the high God's counsel. A hard sentence, and your heart so heavy, and not a soul in sight to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark, dark cell, broke open the jail, and led you out. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. Some of you were sick because you'd lived a bad life, your bodies feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food, so miserable you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. Some of you set sail on big ships you put to sea to do business in faraway ports. Out at sea, you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. With the word, he called up the wind, an ocean storm, towering waves. You shot high in the sky, then the bottom dropped out. Your hearts were struck, stuck in your throats. You were spun like a top, you reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper. Put a muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died down, and he led you back to harbor. So thank God for his marvelous love, 
For his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Lift high your praises when the people assemble. Shout hallelujah when the elders meet. God turned rivers into wasteland, springs of water into sun-baked mud. Luscious orchards became alkali flats, alkali flats. Because of the evil of the people who lived there, then he changed wasteland into fresh pools of water and earth into springs of water. Brought in the hungry and settled them there. They moved in. What a great place to live. They sowed the fields. They planted vineyards. They reaped a bountiful harvest. He blessed them and they prospered greatly. Their herds of cattle never decreased, but abuse and evil and trouble declined as he heaped scorn on princes and sent them away. He gave the poor a safe place to live, treated their clans like well-cared-for sheep. Good people see this and are glad. Bad people are speechless, stopped in their tracks. If you are really wise, you'll think this over. In time, it's time you appreciated God's deep love. There are uh, three sources of the troubles in our lives. I think I think pretty much this covers all the stuff that happens to us. There are the things that we bring on ourselves, and half of the time we have to really let it sink in that we brought this on ourselves. Like we did something, and what's happening is happening because we messed up. We we did something bad, right? There are those things that happen to us at the hands of others. Somebody else does something, and we have the results. We're we're paying the toll for what somebody else did. And there are those things that just happen. They just happen. They're the things that go on in life, and we can't blame ourselves. We shouldn't blame ourselves. There's nobody else to blame, so we just have to say, well, stuff happens. Things go wrong. Things break. That's the way it is. And when I think about those three categories of things, I think that pretty much has it, right? Has anybody got another category, another place that bad things come from? Because if, if you do, tell me, because maybe that's the one I don't know about, and it's sneaking up behind me, right? It's, it's, it's what I bring on myself, what you bring on me, and what happens, just what goes on. Into those categories go all the things that go on in our lives. And in which of those categories is God least likely to rescue us? Uh, when you, you saw it's a trick question right from the start, wasn't it? Not a one. So I want you to think about that today, that God will rescue you no matter what the source is. That's what this psalm is all about. Whether it's something you've brought on yourself, if you turn to God, he will rescue you. If it's somebody else that has brought something on you and you turn to God, he will come and he will help. He will bring redemption. If it's just what happens and you turn on to God, then he says, I, I will come to help as well. So the psalm... I think has examples of the three sources of our troubles. Um, Scholars think that it was probably written after the Babylonian exile. And that was a very tricky time in Israel's history. When, When they were taken captive by the Assyrians, it was army to army, it was people to people, conquest, destruction. All of the the way things that 
happen and human conflict usually go down. But the Babylonian um, occupation was a different set of circumstances. It was without doubt um, a nation that was attacking and, and taking over. But it took some people away, deported some, left some there, put some of its own people back there, and mixed up the people that they invaded. So it was complicated. And there was a period of time when there were several cruel things that went on um, in which people were imprisoned, they were tortured, and unspeakable things happened to them. And I think there's a, an echo of that in, in this psalm, that the scholars are probably right, that it was written late in the, the time of the exilic prophets and so on. There's also um, a remembering back to the time when Israel was just wandering, right? They were just wandering in, in, in the wilderness, and, and they were hungry sometimes, they were in the desert sometimes, they just did a lot of wandering around. And then there are tales of people that were seafarers. And so half the time they were successful in, in their voyaging and um, their exploring. And then the sea turned on them. And if it wasn't the sea, it was the farmers who were at home. And everything was okay sometimes. But then the crops failed. And what do you do with all of that? See, some of it was brought on by themselves. They disobeyed God. And in a lot of the circumstances, that's, that's what it kind of tracks back to. Even the captivities were because they disobeyed God. But, but nonetheless, um, what they had done and brought on themselves, now you have other villains who play in, and what's happening to them is at the hand of somebody else. Who are you going to blame for a sea storm? Who are you going to blame for crops that failed. Those things just happen. But all the way through this, the psalmist says, if you're wise, if you're wise, you'll pay attention. And you're going to end up thanking God because he intervened, because he rescued, because he helped. And the longer I live in my Christian life, the more believers I come across who have have developed a kind of a, um, a tough faith, a uh, a faith that says it doesn't have to be easy for me to keep believing in God and holding on to God. When people hold on in the tough times, um, it, it, it doesn't get easier, but God comes, and at the end of the day, the number of testimonies that say, if God had not been there, if he hadn't helped me, or I, I would never want to go through that again, but I would never want to trade what has happened because I've gone through it and what has happened to me, how I've been used in other people's lives and how I think I was able to give God glory for it all. So what are the troubles that are packing your bag? Troubles that you brought on yourself? Well, shame on you. But God does not turn his back as long as you turn to him. And there's, there's the nub. Always in scripture, we seem to find this little but. And it's a but that says, but you have to ask. Right? If you want help, you have to ask. I, I hate when people say that to me. You know, they'll say, I, I, I hear you have this problem, or I heard you had this problem. If you want help, just ask for it. 
I don't want help. I don't want help from my wife. She's not here this morning, so I, I, I can say what I want. I need help from her desperately, and yet it is virtually impossible for me to ask for help. If I'm lost, I am not lost. I will not confess it. We may drive past the same building seven times. It's not because I'm lost. I'm finding a better place to park or something. So there's the rub. If the trouble that you have is trouble you brought on yourself, you have to turn to God. He's not going to force himself. He's not going to barge in there and say, oh, I know you really don't want help. I know that you brought this on yourself and you want to get yourself to blame, but here I am. Get out of the way. I'll fix it. He doesn't do it. He waits to be asked. The Holy Spirit waits to be asked, waits to be invited. And so that is the little caveat that we place in the middle of this talk that says, but you have to ask for help. So if that's where you are, if the trouble that is on you is trouble you brought to yourself, then you kind of need to look at yourself in the mirror and say, well, I did this. And then you need to look to God and say, I, I did this. And I need help. I need to change. I need help. I need you to come. I need strength. I need faith. I need endurance. I'm asking. And, and God is saying, you sure you really want it? Yeah, I really do. And then God rushes in. He always, he always does. I've, I've never heard anybody say finally that when they got through a struggle about admitting um, that there was a problem, that they turned to God and, and it was, it was he, the heavens were quiet and God turned a deaf ear. I, don't, I haven't heard that. I've heard people say that when they got to the point of desperation and turned to God, he was faithful to them. Because he promised he would be. Trouble that you brought to yourself, yeah, you brought it on yourself, but God, if you ask, will help. Trouble that others have brought upon you, the scripture is full of wisdom about how we live in community. So if something has happened to us at the hand of somebody else, there are ways that we are supposed to respond to that. We're, we're supposed to let love be the guide. Love will be the principle with which we will behave. Forgiveness. Mercy, those things that are through the whole New Testament about the way that we relate to one another are part of the way in which God will come and he will help. He will bring assistance. If it's the stuff that just happens, then we kind of, we walk side by side with God and we say, did you see, did you see what just happened? And it's almost like God says, yeah, I can't believe it either. Yeah, it happens. The world is broken. It is broken. And we're going to feel the effects of the broken world in which we live. Some of it's because of what we did. Some of it's because of what others did. Some of it, who knows? But in any case, we find that God says, God is a very present help. He, he's a help. So as we go through this psalm, there are little refrains that come along the way that I think are just really encouraging. Good, Good question. Um, so the enemy may not have started it, but he will pile on, right? So he's the dark agent behind everything that's broken. And whether I brought something on myself 
or somebody else brought it on me or it just happens, his face is in the background. So no matter what I've done, he will try to make it worse. No matter what you've done, he will try to make it worse. No matter what the world does, he will try to make it worse. Because he hates us. All right, I think we're in business here. So here is the first refrain. And it just recurs several times in the psalm. So the point of the psalm is that no matter what it is that has happened to us, our response should be, so he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So look at the underlying parts there. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. I, I, I get kind of annoyed with the, the whole God is good all the time, all the time God is good. It just, it's sort of overplayed a bit. Maybe you say that all the time and now it just annoyed you. So I'm in the second category. But the truth is God is good. And while there are lots of other attributes that we can dwell on, the fact that God is good is an incredible truth. Mike mentioned last week that God could have been of a different character because he is God. He could have been capricious. He could have been evil. He could have been duplicitous. He, he could have been anything and would still be God and we would still be responsible to worship him. But as it turns out, he's good. Fundamentally, essentially good. We don't have to worry that we're, we're trying to get his good side. We're not trying to manipulate him because we think he wants this to happen. And so if we play this game, God is good. Um, when we get to the New Testament, James says, you all are not. Because what you do when you pray is you have double minds. You ask for something, but you really don't mean it. You say something on the outside, but it's not what you're saying on the inside. So let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And when you come to God, you can come to him and ask him because he gives without hesitation and without duplicity. When he, when he gives, he gives singly out of his goodness, not with another motive, not with another attitude, not with something later on. He, he gives generously because he is good and whatever comes from him will be good if something comes to me that is not good it did not come from god he, he doesn't mix in a little bit of um you know lesson learning or just a, a little bit of a you know slap here it's whatever he brings to me he brings that is good so he is good and we count on that his loving kindness it's the word chesed again. It is the, the most beautiful word along with shalom. It means his grace, his mercy, his loving kindness, um, everything that behaves out of his goodness. So his, his essence is that he is good, and his goodness shows up in mercy and grace and forgiveness and all of those things that we love. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed of the Lord, they are the ones who said, I get the but part. They are the ones who say, yeah, things happen to me that I brought on myself. Things happen to me that others brought on me. Things happen to me just because they happen, but I'm managing, thank you very much. 
for those people, God has no ability to bring help. That sounds like an awful, weak statement to make. But God, out of his character, will, will not defy our will. He honors the will that he has given us. He honors the choice that we will make. But when we say, you know what? I brought that on myself. They brought that on me. The world brought that on me. And I need to be rescued from this. I need to get somewhere where I am in a safe place. I need help. Then God says, do you want to join the company of the redeemed? Because the people who are redeemed are people who know that there was a problem, that they needed to submit to God. And they needed to follow his instructions about how to get out of that problem. And they are the redeemed. And so it's the redeemed who sing the psalm 107. It's the redeemed that say, when I was like this, here's what happened. And then this happened, and here's how God rescued me. And then there was this, and here's how God showed up powerfully in the circumstance. The redeemed say so. Where I'm going today is the say so part of it. Right? It's time we said so. Whatever God has been doing in our lives for good, we need to say so. We need to say so at work. We need to say so um, with our friends on the street. We need to say, I prayed about this, and I think that God brought an answer to me this way. And you may not believe that. You may not, may not think about prayer, but I, I just want you to know that I prayed about this, and I turned to God, and I think I can report that he rescued me. I, I, I need to say so. You need to hear me saying this. For his loving kindness is everlasting, so let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The next time we find this little refrain is verses 8 and 9. And again, talking about the circumstances that they find themselves in. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. We're, we're in a world of thirsty and hungry people, right? Thirsty and hungry people who have apparently all that they need to satisfy their hunger and quench their, their thirst. Yet we want more. Still hungry, still thirsty, still longing for something, still hunting for meaning in our lives. And here's what the redeemed said. When we were on that kind of a journey, God came along and he satisfied the thirsty souls and he filled the hungry with what is good. The most satisfied people I have ever met have least in the way of this world's goods. It's a strange thing. It's, it's a paradox. People who, who don't necessarily even know where their next meal will come from have a joy. Little boys in Uganda playing with um, rags wrapped together to make a soccer ball are happier than the kids with their devices playing the new version of the, of the game. So it's, it's the way it works. With plenty, there comes just a, an, an appetite for more, whatever it is. With want and dependence, and it's, 
certainly not that we ought not to um, bountifully supply to them and graciously give all that we can. But we can also take some comfort in the fact that there, there's a joy in simplicity. There's a joy that comes in just getting rid of all this stuff. The biggest industry in North America, I'm told, is warehouses, um, like storage. We have so much junk that we have to go rent places to put that stuff. So be like Lauren. Get rid of stuff. Get rid of it. And, you know, it's, it's just the way things are. And the testimony of the redeemed is to say, I might not have had a lot. I might have had problems that come, but I have been a person satisfied. My hunger has been satisfied. My thirst has been quenched. And so I need to give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. It just comes up again. Verse 15, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. His wonders. Have you, have you ever stopped and, and just dwelt on the wonder that God has noticed you and done, done something for you? And, and, and you look at it and you think, like, that was, that was just me. He did that just for me. There might have been even something that you saw in, in nature or something that happened, and you think, why did that happen right there? Why did that happen to me for me to see it? It's like God's in heaven, and it's like that song um, that says, is it possible that all of this was created just that I could see it? Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Verses 31 and 32 gets to sound like the same thing. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the seat of the elders. That's what church ought to be. Church is not when you say what you don't like about it or what you write in an email about what you didn't like about it. Nobody does that here. I'm serious. I don't get that stuff. I have in the past. Church is about coming and saying, let us talk about the fact that God comes and brings help and does wonders. And it happened for me this week. This is what happened. Let us give thanks to God. In the congregation of the people, and the elders need to hear from the rest of us as well, where we say, you need to know that this is the way that God is working in my life, so that you can be encouraged as you find yourself as those who need to give account for the souls of those who are in your care. When we get to the end of the psalm, the psalmist says, who is wise? Let him give heed to these things and consider the loving kindness of the Lord. Trouble came from me, from you, from everything. But God showed up. God came. And we need to say it. We need to talk about it. We need to sing it. Because the redeemed of the Lord are supposed to say so. If I were to add 
a little afterthought, which I will. The afterthought would be this. Three words. How much more? So it's a New Testament idea. If when I brought stuff on myself, if when you brought stuff on me, if when the world brought stuff on me, God came and rescued me. If we, while we were his enemies, discovered that his son died for us, and that was when we were his enemies, how much more now that we're his children, right? Think about your kids, your grandkids. You would do anything for them, wouldn't you? You would give them anything. When you, when you see something that you think would delight them, you, you, you get that for them. Because there's nothing like a parent's heart or a grandparent's soul like bringing delight, bringing something good to your kids or your grandchildren. Our Father, when we were shaking our fists at him, said, as Mike told us last week, it's okay. I will visit my wrath on my son. You can take shelter in the death of Jesus. If he did that, if he did that when we were his enemies, now that we are his friends, now that we are his bairns, how much more? So I have the sense that God is just gazing down at us and he's wondering to himself, what could I do to bless Rick a little bit more? What, what can I do for Wendy this week? Because it's on his mind to do these kinds of things. If when the children of Israel were ridiculous in their rebellion, they're making golden cows to worship and calling them God, if, if they went off worshiping those false gods and then got captured by the Syrians or the Babylonians, and God goes, oh my goodness. If even then he came and rescued them, how much more does he look upon you and say, my loving kindness brims over. There is nothing but goodness in my heart for my children. Sometimes I wonder if we're ready to ask for it or if we're ready to receive it. And he's saying, I, you just have to wonder about how much more I have for you, how much more there is now that you're my children.